Welcome to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast for fans who aren't ready to let go and newcomers to this series who are ready to jump in. I'm Marie Vigourou. And I'm Drew Shulman. In this episode, we're doing a recap of Supernatural Season 3 through the theme of family. Let's get this show on the road. <laughs> yes. So I would just like to remind you and everyone else, because we've been talking about this a little bit throughout the, the, the last couple of weeks, but you set the bar really high <laughs> last time with your season recap. And there were some specific requests from our listeners and our patrons. And so I hope that you've prepared something even better this time. <laughs> You no know pressure, there's a, though. There's a part of me that feels like nothing will beat the poem from last time. So I might return to that in the future. Although I do like what I did this time. And I think it was a fun creative exercise. I don't think it's... I think it's tied. But mm-hmm. I definitely have ideas for down the road. Including, like, I think I have my season 15 ready to go already. Or, like, at least <laughs> I have it, like, noted. And, like, I've started making some notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's scary but that's to a, me. <laughs> Let's just say I know what I have done to myself and I have mentally prepared for the avalanche of work ahead of me as each season gets more complicated. But it sounds like you're ready to count me down for our recap. I absolutely am ready to hear this avalanche of amazingness. Okay. Three, count me down. two, one, go. Dean is on a taking time clock. He's only got so much time left. Uh, we have demons galore showing up because the gates have been open. So everything they've seen is now just getting bigger and scarier. Speaking of demons, we meet Ruby, who I kind of have a crush on and I love and I want to see more of. And I'm really excited to see where they, they go, even though the season kind of leaves them in a weird kind of like limbo. Um, Dean may have a son. That's the thing we learn. We kind of get back to. Uh, then we also meet Bella, who's the most badass bitch there is. Uh, but she's kind of just tormenting them constantly. Uh, but on the bright side, the cult is back for all of like an episode, and the cult is gone. Damn it, Bella. Um, we find the crossroad demons that made the deal with Dean in the first place. Sam kills this demon because Sam's gone a little bit crazy this time around. He's a little more violent. Um, we get Gordon back, and then Gordon goes away because Gordon became a vamp and got murdered in uh, we learn we learn about Sam giving Dean the amulet, which is really cute, and that whole Christmassy thing. Um, oh god, there's so much stuff. Uh, we basically figure out the demons all just want Sam dead because Sam is a big threat to demonhood in some way. We haven't really figured out. Uh, we find out the trickster isn't dead, of course, because apparently nobody dies on this show, um, except for Dean a lot. Uh, Hendrickson shows up and is now a believer and is secretly Dean's new boyfriend until he is dead minutes later. Uh, the ghost faces are back. They mostly live through it, minus the gay intern. Uh, we then try to find Dean being saved one last time with some zombie alchemy, which doesn't really work. Then we finally meet Lilith, and Dean doesn't make it out of the season and then dies, and we're sort of just left hanging with him, literally hanging in hell. And of course, I need to mention all the monsters we face this season, don't we? And I've decided that this time around, somebody suggested this, and please tell me in chat who it was, because I have to thank you, but also wave, wave my fist at you. Um, suggested I do this in the form of a haiku. So I have written a one, two, three, four, five, six stanza haiku, which I'll go through relatively quickly, of the things we face this season. Ahem. <clears throat> Seven deadly sins. Kids are gone. Changelings are in. Not so lucky charms. Stuck in a basement. Fairy tales are not just tales. Brothers dead at sea. 
Gordon is a fang. Cute grandparent are pagan gods. Witch cult for demon. Drug addict in dream. Trickster is back. Back again. Lilith and her goons. Ghost facers face ghosts. A crocata online too. Undead alchemist. Lilith must now flee. The hounds of hell have arrived. Dean does not survive. (laughs) Thank you. That one, that one just works so well at the end. And I was like, oh, I hate this, but I have to say it. <laughs> I know how you were just kind of like looking up to see like, okay, who's upset? Who's upset? I want to see it. <laughs> I want to see the pain. I'm in trying face. to like, so I, again, I, again, this, I, the, the, as much as I do the recaps in the show, totally from scratch, these ones, I have to put some notes. Of and the course. haiku was fully rehearsed like days before. Wow. Uh, but thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the recap, everyone. Yes, um, definitely. Don't, don't Again, worry. Stepping I, it up. <laughs> I am making zero promises about a musical now, but I will say that as much as I cannot sing, like I don't think Mary or Rochelle's ever had the curse of being around me at a karaoke night. I cannot sing. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's see. Let's see what season fifteen brings. Maybe by then I'll be convinced to change that. Okay, well, let's not talk about karaoke right away. That's for (laughs) the later seasons. Uh, Let's move into the long game very briefly before we move into story time. Of course. So as we've done with our recaps in the past, instead of the long game this week, we're going to reflect on the season as a podcast, like how we as a podcast and crew as a team uh, have evolved this season. Mary, would you like to get started? Yeah, of course. Like, yeah, please. Um, so <laughs> I know that we said that season two kind of felt like a marathon and we've talked about this in this particular, uh, in the season two recap. And there's a huge contrast for me this season because it felt like it went through in a flash. Like it just went so quickly. And I I really can't believe that we've already started working on season four. Like it just, it's, that's so nuts to me. Um, (laughs) And I also feel like we got so much support this season. Not that we didn't get support before, but this season, like I, I felt the love, like, you know, from our patrons, from our listeners, uh, also from our social media followers, but particularly from other podcasters and creators within the fandom. And that's, that's been really special to me. Um, And then within the team, I also feel like we got really organized this season, like things are rolling very nicely and smoothly. And that really helps my anxious little brain to enjoy (laughs) the process a lot more overall. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're right. The organization factor. I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and spill the beans of all, all our behind the scenes going ons, but like, we really stepped up and like this season has really felt like the biggest growth. Mm-hmm. outside I of just agree. making the show it truly began to feel oh it's so corny to say I know but it feels like a family like when I check discord <laughs> in the morning I know who I'm gonna sp- see and I look forward to the question of the you know day when the bot decides to not take a day off around us um yeah. but it's just That's like this true. this big group that cares about each other and supports each other mm-hmm. and it makes me makes me feel like we're doing something great and it makes me feel like just this is such a fun pro it, it takes us from being a fun project to being like so much more 
Mm-hmm. Um, and as you said, the the organization, again, it's just such a huge step forward for us. And I, as someone who is not normally organized, being able to be organized because I have your support is amazing. Oh, um, well, I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else you wanted to add? No, I'm good with a short, uh, a short little recap there. I think that covers everything because we're going to have a lot to talk about in story time. I know. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we hop right into it? Well, let's, let's get to it. Let's go. All right. So again, as we did last season, we're going to be looking at this season as a whole uh, through the theme of family and more specifically, what, what does family mean for Sam and Dean and how that meaning evolves throughout the season? Um, So we're going to start, we're going to start with Sam uh, with, you know, wondering how, what does family mean to Sam in this season? Do you mind if I get started for this? Oh, no, please, please, please go ahead. Thank you. Um, I, I, I wonder, okay. Sorry, I'm hesitating because I don't really know where to start um, because <laughs> I had a really interesting conversation about Sam on Twitter this week and it feels pretty fresh. So I, I, I kind of want to draw from that. So in season three, it feels like uh, Sam is breaking away from Dean, whether that's consciously or unconsciously done. Like in season one and two, if Dean was to say like, we're going there and Sam disagreed, he'd basically like whine and grumble and protest, but he would still follow Dean the same way that he would have followed John as a child. Um, Basically like Dean is his new leader. Like he inherited John's authority over Sam. Uh, And that's something that, that was present also in childhood. And we know that. And I think that the only exception to that in seasons one and two is Scarecrow. And even then, by the end, Sam chooses Dean over John. So if we move back to, or move forward, actually, to season three, um, Sam is starting to develop a little bit more independence. And I've broken that down a little bit in um, Time is on My Side, uh, three episode 15, season three, uh, about how narratively Sam and Dean actually have like different arcs this season. They're in different locations. They have different allies. And I'm thinking back specifically to Long Distance Call, where Sam calmly and flatly tells Dean that like, he's just not going to pursue the same lead as him. You know, like he, he's like, I understand that we have the same goal, but he just wants to go about it a different way. Now, if we want to bring this back to the theme of family, I also want to talk about Stanford. Because when Sam was younger and wanted to go his own way, i.e. like go to Stanford, oh, the cats are putting on a show in the background. Great. (laughs) Uh, You know, because he got a full scholarship and who wouldn't want to go to Stanford on a full scholarship, right? And when he told his dad, instead of congratulating him and encouraging him, John got mad and essentially kicked him out of the family. So in Sam's mind, being in the family meant not being himself and being himself meant not being in the family. Like you've got this binary that's created where both options are mutually exclusive. You can't be both. It's one or the other. So for him to stand up to Dean and for Dean to be like, all right, I disagree, but let's meet back in the middle. I think was really huge for Sam because it showed him that like being himself and living his truth won't get him rejected by his, from his family. And we're going to see in season four, how far he's going to take that. Oof. Yeah. 
Yeah. Sorry about I mean, that. I had to say it. I had to say it because it's no, true. No, no, no. You're right. You're hundred percent right. Um, you know, <laughs> what about you, much, Drew? What do you think? What you do you what? think about Sam? I, I really feel the thing that grew the most was Sam this year, the, mm-hmm. this, this year, this season. It feels like it's been a year. I mean, time-wise, it almost has been for them. <laughs> um, is there's this level of independence he is gaining mm-hmm. and almost yeah. stepping away from a reliance on Dean and by extension, a reliance on family, which we also see when he, the way he treats Bobby in yeah. some moments this season. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't feel like he's doing it I don't want to say he's not doing it intentionally. It's almost like the choices he is making are coincidentally pushing him away from family and almost starting to sever the ties between family. Yes, a little positive in the fact that he's getting rid of his dependency, but also in the fact that he is closing those doors. He's, you know, we we see it in his most intense moments, and I think the most obvious one to harp on here would be... um, why am I blanking on the episode? Uh, mystery spot when yeah. he does lose Dean effectively, what, what he believes effectively for the first, yeah. like for real. And he shuts out Bobby. He becomes very meticulous, very alone, becomes very self dependent. It's he takes it too far. He mm-hmm. cuts off family, he cuts off connections in favor of being alone. And we see the negative impact this does have on him in those moments. Yeah, And I feel like even though we've gotten past that, it's still kind of lingering on him. We're still kind of getting this Sam divorcing himself from family and becoming a more independent creature, mm-hmm. which is in its own way showing the importance of family, both found and by blood, uh, because I think Dean and Bobby perfectly balance that scale for him in the sense that one is his blood brother and one is basically an adoptive father. But because you need to be able to be independent doesn't mean you have to cut them out completely or be so disconnected. So we're weirdly learning about the importance of family through the negative effects of leaving family in this one. So it's Mm -hmm. a very weirdly negative growth for Sam in my books, but it does tell us a lot about his character and how he connects to family and how even if he doesn't realize it, when he connects to family, he's a lot more whole. So... Because I was going to ask you, before you said that you felt like it was negative, I was going to ask you if you felt like, because developmentally, this usually happens like in your teenage years, right? Where like you mm-hmm. develop your own um, belief system and your own ideas. And sometimes that clashes with your parents. And, um, you know, for Sam, that led to a complete separation from his family. And so now he's learning, I felt how how to have his own beliefs, but in a more positive way without completely dissociating himself. So I was going to ask you how you felt about that, but you kind of answered my question when you said that you felt it was negative. So I like, do you have any? Yeah. I I, I mean, I feel I may have pushed to an extreme here and I'm not going to backtrack per se, but I think there is a level of Sam learning to be independent Mm -hmm. and there is the positive side of that. I just feel like the example this season really seems to push is the, what happens if you take this thing too far? Ah, okay. All right. Well, that's something to carry with us into season four. Oh. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh-oh. Um, yep. Is there anything else that we'd like to talk about in terms of Sam? I mean, 
outside of the family aspect of it, I feel the other big thing with Sam this season has just sort of been this, I guess, rebellious side is kind of the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. He's a little more, you know, gung ho. He's a little more willing to take risks. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with the whole, with everything with Ruby, I know there's still so much up in the air about Ruby right now. And I'm still very team Ruby, but I don't know if I should be. <laughs> it's like, I want to like her, but I'm sure she's going to betray me. <laughs> Um, I love how you go from one to the next. You're like, oh, I love her. She's going to be amazing. Oh my God. She's going to betray them all. Oh, she's going to be so good. Oh, she's going to betray them. Like it just, it changes from one episode to the next. It's only because I'm convinced it's going to happen. She's going to betray them. I'm convinced, (laughs) but I want to love her. Um, fair enough. But I feel like it's almost, she is leading Sam down this path of like independence and like pulling a little too hard. Okay. I don't know. I'll, I'll be intrigued to see if we do get Ruby back, how much Ruby can affect Sam. I think that that is a very good question. Any other thoughts about <laughs> Sam from you or should we move to Dean? Uh, no, I think that that was also really good. I think that because of that separation that we're starting to see, we're starting to really like, we're starting to see how they operate, you know, separately you know, with Sam always thinking about the greater good and Dean thinking mm-hmm. about like the, the just action, you know, so I think that that's, again, something to kind of keep in mind. Just, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> Just some thoughts. Uh, what about Dean? What does family mean to Dean? And uh, of course, we're going to keep in mind that like we're, that Dean is a queer character here in this discussion. Oh yeah, no, that it's, okay. it's important to remember that, of course. But I feel like this season we got to see a bit of Dean's past. I, mm-hmm. as much as I really didn't love Sin City as an episode, it was a great chance to meet the people that Dean surrounded himself with in his um, his friend whose name I've already forgotten, but was just like the scum of the earth, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like just Sleazeball McGee, I can call him, I'm pretty sure. Like, I know he gets killed and we should feel bad, but like, yuck. <laughs> no, not a not an okay person, sorry. But we but that's it. We see what Dean tolerated or put himself through to mask who he was. We see the people he chose to be around. I mean, obviously we all see it and we all see it through Sam. This is not a reputable person to be around. And, you know, Dean's not dumb. Dean's smart enough to know who this person is, but he chose to be around them, especially Dean, who is so good at flying solo when he needs to, that it kind of helps paint a picture of what Dean was looking for back then, which was kind of this friendship to mask who he truly was. Versus friends who understood who he was on the inside, mm-hmm. which we then get the complete opposite of in contrast when we get to befriend Henriksen for all of 11 seconds uh, and we get Dean's first real on screen boyfriend. I mean, friend. Um, you know, we, we, I love we know how we, we're we, both on that ship. We're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, there's <laughs> yeah. no questions about it. Yeah, no. You know, we, we know Dean hid. Uh, we know he held family in the highest regards because of the way he does defend John. You know, mm-hmm. he admits John was a bad father. He he is on multiple occasions re- related the fact that, you know, John wasn't perfect. Uh, and even has gone so far as to say he wasn't, he was actively bad. But mm-hmm. he still defends him because family is family. You defend family. You know, yeah. but when he's given that very tiny window of opportunity to connect with somebody who gets him, and really is a good guy this time, unlike some people, Gordon, 
we can see Dean open up and begin letting someone inside emotionally, at least for a little bit. And that just goes yeah. to show what Dean is looking for in family. It's, it's very much a found family side. Yes, he has his brother, but he understands the, important of other, the importance of finding people to connect with. So when he does connect with somebody, even for just a little bit, you really feel that connection from him. It becomes so solid, so fast. Mm-hmm. Well, I think like, it's because it's it's because there's like, um, like he values and he understands how rare that is potentially. Yeah, you know, like we when we first met Gordon, I was so gung ho to have another hunter that Dean could connect to on some level, mm-hmm. and then clearly, you know, shade at the fan. Um, oh, kitty, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there's cats everywhere and i love this <laughs> none of mine are here though they all ignored me i left the door open for once for them jerks oh. um, <laughs> your pet that, family is not with you tonight i'm sorry no, but that's why i think henriksen was such a great moment and as small and as little as it is we've grabbed onto it so like wholeheartedly mm-hmm. because we're not used to seeing dean connect with somebody like we've seen him talk to people we've seen him become friendly with people We've seen him, you know, in so many scenarios where he's had the opportunity to open up, but never did until Henriksen because he found someone who really had a kinship with him. And I feel like Gordon was the closest we got to that before this. And of course, that kind of went south. And I think that goes to show what it shows us what Dean wants in a family. And I think that's the real big takeaway here. Okay, I have two thoughts about this. Just two. Only two. Go ahead. Two thoughts. <laughs> One, I'm going to forget them. One is that I wonder if, because Dean knew that he was going to die at the end of the year, does that make him more likely to open up to Henriksen in a way that he wouldn't necessarily have done uh, if he didn't have that expiration date? That's one thought. And then the second one, which is kind of related, is that in this season, we're seeing him like put up a mask and a front so often that I think it was actually really refreshing to see him just kind of like drop the act in front of him. And I think that's why we both like just gravitated towards that interaction because it really felt like Dean and not like Dean, you know? So I really, I, I appreciated that. I really did appreciate that moment. Yeah. And point number two, before you forget. I, I said it already. It's that oh, that related. was both points. Okay, yeah, wow. That was both points. I thought I that was all one them. big point. <laughs> no, it was just the two. It was two. It was two. It was two. <laughs> um, so yeah, what, were, part- what did you uh, take away from Dean this season in his... Uh, well, basically family. that he goes through a very big journey, you know? Like, it's it's he starts off the season by like thinking that maybe he has a biological son with a woman with who he spent like one steamy weekend like almost a decade ago um you know just just before that he found out that or or just before that he basically decided to only have one year left to live so like there's there's a lot of stuff that's going on in his mind um so 
I sorry, yeah. I love that. Did you just use the words decided to have one year left to live? Decided? Well, he made the decision. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's just sorry. I'm sorry. It's one of those things that you said it. I was like, worded properly. <laughs> like, because no, like, the thing is, it's worded properly. It just sounds super absurd to be said that way. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, I could not let it go. Sorry. Go, go, go. I'm no, sorry. no, it's fine. Well, to be clear, it's not like he decided that he was going to die in one year, but he made the decision to make the deal to save Sam's life. So let's let's be clear. So thank you for for asking me to clarify that one. It's not wrong though. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Mary can never um, we've noticed. So I guess so this is a conversation that I've sort of wanted to have on this podcast for a while and I feel like now's a good time as any to start having it. Uh because there's like a very vocal um part of the fandom of the supernatural fandom that claim that the show is not about romance it's about family and what this statement does in my opinion is that it really diminishes the importance of romantic connections on the show by making them compete with blood family bonds and I really want to scratch at that for a second because while I agree that not um sorry while I agree that some family bonds are completely incompatible with romance, and I want to make that very clear, others are not. Um, let's think about John and Mary for a second. From what we know at this point in the series, they were deeply in love with each other, and they chose each other as their family, as romantic partners. And now there's a supernatural prequel currently in pre-production, the Winchesters, as we probably all know, uh, which is going to tell and I quote, the epic love story of John and Mary. So again, sorry, from what up. we know, sorry, what? Sorry, I had to throw up there for a second. Go ahead. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you okay? Um, so basically, like, from what we know at this point in the series, I would argue that the whole reason why Supernatural even exists, as we know it right now at the end of season three, is because of the romantic bond between John and Mary. And then if you move forward a little bit, you've got Sam and Jess's romantic bond, um, you know, which would have or could have turned to family had Azazel not killed her. Um, Sam is basically still hunting right now because this romantic bond with Jess was broken. So I really don't think it's fair or even accurate to diminish the importance of romantic love on this show. And I think that in season three, we start exploring that for Dean. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, like it starts off with us meeting Lisa uh, in The Kids Are All Right with Ben. But we also, and we've talked about this a lot already, but like we also get another hint of that in Justin Bellow when we get like this not so subtle illusion, like to some sort of enemies to lovers trope between Dean and Henriksen when they're talking about how they're both single and how similar <laughs> they actually are underneath it all. Um, and what happens to Henriksen? Much like Mary and Jess and Ash before him, might I add, he dies in a fire. At the hands of demons. At the hands of demons. So I think that Dean is starting to understand romantic love as a familial bond in this season. That's a huge realization to have. Wow. I bless that we have these moments. So I can have these realizations sometimes because I totally did not even think to consider the romantic side of it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, because that's the thing, right? We tend to think, because when, when we look at Supernatural, the show, we think family, Sam Dean. We certainly don't see it as romantic, but there are other um, bonds in family that are romantic. Husband and husband, husband and wife, wife and wife, like, you know, heads of family. Those are all romantic bonds that are part of, or partners and partners, by the way, I should say, um, because not everyone is married. Not everyone is, anyway. But in order to start a family, you have to have two or more people who get together and choose each other as family to start a family with. And sometimes those bonds are romantic and that's still family. No, very well said. Mm -hmm. There you go. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. <sighs> Lots of thoughts in the, in the chat, actually. I'd love to be able to get to that. Um, do you want to, is there something you want to read through or? Uh, no, as far as uh, story time goes, talking about family, I feel like everything I wanted to spill has been spilt. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So Anything then are we ready? to touch on before we hop into critical time? Well, I mean, yes, but I, I have that as a part of like my, um, my reflection. <laughs> so you can hold on to it. That's fine. You're allowed to. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, <laughs> thank you. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to give it away just yet. I still have, okay, I want to have something. Have our secrets. Thank you. Let's move on to <laughs> critical time. Yes, let's. Thank you. Do you want to get us started with a little bit of like a lore recap? Yeah. So I, so for this section, I really just took a moment to go through mostly my own lore writing, comparing it to what we saw per episode. Mm -hmm. And this season, I mean, there might be some disagreement here, but I, I'm going to argue it. They kind of played the lore close to the chest. You know, we've seen a lot of returning monsters in this season. We, uh, the trickster, vampires, demons in general, we got a lot more of them because of last season's uh, solution. Mm -hmm. And I mean, okay, well, their plant game was definitely off for the most part, but uh, their monster game was surprisingly strong. The few creatures that were newly introduced played well and all mm -hmm. seemed to really help develop the brothers and the show as a whole. Um, so a few examples, like the Lucky Rabbit's Foot, was a great way to introduce Bella. And, um, uh, sorry, introduce Bella in her particular role as a purveyor of uh, occult wares. The pagan gods, while not the most accurate depiction, although they were they were close in some ways, but off mostly again on the plant side of things, did allow for some commentary on the whole winter solstice holidays being stolen and taken over and cannibalized by one religion to another, which was kind of a fun thing to bring up while trying to make some commentary. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, there, there's a metaphor in there somewhere with the cannibalization, but I'll let you guys figure that one out. Uh, even our undead alchemically fueled doctor, while not super menacing on his own, he did drum up a pretty fun moral conundrum for the brothers while sticking true to the lore and history of alchemy surprisingly well. Lastly, I, I clearly skipped over one relatively new creature who I did thoroughly enjoy, which was the Krakata. Um, but I really couldn't find anything like redeeming in that episode. And I think we kind of discussed that episode kind of being a little bit of a low-hanging fruit this season as far as uh, quality goes. Mm -hmm. Like cool creature, cool legend, kind of dropped the ball on this one in general. And overall, the show seems to be trying to narrow down how many widely foreign monsters it brings in, which does seem to help the show as a whole. It, it helps it focus. Uh, you know, it minimizes the amount of research that needs to be done and how far you have to reach out to find the right information if you're sticking closer to home. 
and it does allow us for some still more fun creatures and some more you know culture cultural relevance uh but more with a point in mind so not just name drop a familiar sounding thing bring in something that is relevant to the story that is worth having as a monster of the week with the exception of our you know big tooth laughing friend um mm. but yeah that was my recap of the lore i mean really straight to the point we got a lot of fun stuff this season what they did do really worked well again with our one big <laughs> asterisk there um and i think sticking to things that we've already seen while it can i, I don't want to see it happen too much going forward when done right it's really good like we have mm-hmm. we have a language now around vampires that we have developed yeah. over several episodes everything from um the queer connection the sexual connection mm-hmm. the unfortunately the disease connection they've tried to make a few times now especially in gordon's last episode yeah. but we now have this world that exists with vampires mm-hmm. so when they do come back it's growing versus introducing which allows for much more interesting storytelling so as we reach deeper and deeper into a show i'm assuming we're going to run out of too many new things to throw at the wall i'm looking forward to when we do return to creatures in the right way to deepen the lore more it's it's so interesting what you're saying right now because that's basically exactly what's going to happen so i mean i'm not spoiling anything by saying that like next season angels are introduced like you know that angels exist you know that like well come on don't do this to me <laughs> people are really gonna think that i'm spoiling this for you no no no. i've known about I, I have no i will say again with my knowledge even before we started the podcast i knew angels were a thing i knew Cass was an angel there you um, go. okay thank you i know there are other angels and i know they have something to do with dean but i don't know what okay So, uh, yeah, so angels are introduced and we're going to get a lot more of like, we're, so we're shifting from like monster of the week, each week, a new kind of like foe to focusing a lot more on angels and demons from now on. So when we do get like a creature of the week, it does get a little bit more exciting. And like you said, they they like dig a little bit deeper into, um, the lore. Um, but I do see a comment in the chat that says that they're not always consistent with yeah i was yeah mel's Um, comment stuck out to me of just like assuming yes i i think we've already seen the lore on a few creatures evolve from episode to episode so i take it with a grain of salt Mm -hmm. there there will be some retconning especially i've been told around the sarah gamble seasons uh there's 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 just there's going to be some retconning and we'll, we'll see that. We'll see that for sure. Yep. <laughs> and we'll be there to remind them. Um, so on my end, mm-hmm. um, I, I wanted to talk about something that we've kind of like alluded to a lot. Um, and, but yeah, we've alluded to it a lot throughout the season, but we don't really ever go in depth about it. And yet it shaped so much of the season that I feel like we really need to talk a little bit about it. Um, Yeah, we do. And that thing is the writer's strike. (laughs) So- I feel like we brought um, this up a few times. (laughs) So we have brought it up. We've talked about the very, like the very beginning of it, but I kind of wanted to take a deeper look because this this was from 2008 and I'm not sure that- people necessarily remember like I I certainly did not remember what the 
like what the demands were, et cetera, like what the, the actual issues were. So I, I decided to do a bit of a deep dive, well, a dive at the very least <laughs> into what happened. Um, cause I figured I couldn't be the only one not knowing what this was all about. So let's, let's do like a quick overview of what happened. Um, so it started on November 5th, oh, 2007. I didn't even make that connection until just now. Um, what a day indeed. Uh, and it ended on February 12th, 2008. So basically 12,000 writers of the Writers Guild of America, which I did not know this, but is actually two sister labor unions, the Writers Guild of America East and the Writers Guild of America West. Okay. Um, supernatural dog whistle again. We need to find a word for that. Um, all 12,000 of them went on strike. Uh, and the main contentious issue was called new media, which we know today as like Netflix, Prime, Apple TV Plus, et cetera, like all of those streaming services. And the guild wanted to make sure of two things. First, that the streaming services that are producing original media would be bound by the same requirements as studios. And what does that mean? That would mean that like they would have to hire guild members instead of like not hire or, or sorry, instead of hiring like non-members for cheaper and worse conditions, right? Like that was, they wanted to protect themselves and uh, other writers that may not have been a part of the guild. Second, they wanted to make sure that writers would be entitled to a percentage of revenues made from streaming. Uh, and there were obviously other issues that were at play in the negotiations, but like that was really the main one. And what foresight because in 2007 streaming services were like nowhere near as widespread and popular as they are now um and they were definitely not producing much original media if any at all so just like big kudos to the writers guild of america for ensuring the future of their members honestly like excellent work and this is why unions are important but that is just my political agenda seeping through now, the strike received a lot of support from actors, basically almost all the cast from The Office and so many cast members from like Buffy, Grey's Anatomy, The Big Bang Theory, Friends, and I'm really just naming a few, came out to picket with the union members. And just a few, a few people that we will be, we know who they are because they're supernatural related, Felicia Day, Timothy Amundsen, and Sterling K. Brown. They, all three of them went out and picketed uh, with the writers. So how did this affect Supernatural specifically? So we know that the season was only 16 episodes, making it the shortest in all of the 15 seasons. And Dean ended up going to hell, which wasn't actually what was planned originally. Um, and, and, and this is really interesting. There was a little shuffle in the episode list. The writers had originally written 12 episodes before the strike, which I think also explains like why the tone of the last four is so different from the rest of the season. Um, and because they knew that there was a risk for production to stop, they decided to switch Mystery Spot and Justin Bellow so that Justin Bellow would be like the last episode before the strike. So Drew, your headcanon that Sam was so badass in Justin Bellow because of his time in the time loop in Mystery Spot, entirely accidental. It's still implied canon. I'm standing with it. 
it's it still is because at the end of the day that is the product that we got that's the the mm-hmm. the, the media that we got but it's entirely accidental and i love that i think that that's that's just that's the irony like it's of almost supernatural. better <laughs> why is it better i don't know i just think it's such like a nice it's such a nice piece of like implied lore that is such an it's such an extra layer to this already amazing season because I truly, I, I don't know if we're going to get there at some point more, but like, I liked this season. It was fun. Yeah, it was. Like, despite the pain it went through being a, uh, you know, shortened season, having to deal with the writer's strike, they still did a lot of good. I, I agree with you. I think that they really did. And I do think that the first 12 episodes were amazing. I uh, The last four is where like my, my interest begins to decrease, which is really interesting because when I read the interviews of Kripke, he was like, oh yeah. And like the last four episodes, like we really like, we, we like, we really like focused in on what we wanted to talk about. And I'm like, I really don't like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> so it's like just that. interesting to see like, audience like reception of something versus like intense so I, I might be I might you know I might be the only one in this position I might not be but that's just that's how I felt about it yeah do you have any reflection or call to action for us with regards to this season yeah so as a whole <laughs> tough to reflect on so much and condense it down like I really feel like this is a hard exercise to do like per episode so doing Mm. it for a season really took some time but I feel like the one thing this season really had me thinking about was personal growth and Mm. while I as I said on the family side of things Sam's growth I don't think was the healthiest we kind of saw him become obsessive or go push things too far or kind of I don't want to say lose his humanity but like if he was an A plus humanity, he's maybe now an A minus humanity in, in his like, you know, the, dealing with the small things. He did still grow and adapt in his own way. Oh, being a bit scary by the end. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dean, you know, learned and slowly and kind of learned slowly to ask for help. Like he mm-hmm. really did like approach Ruby with the goal of like, can you save me? Like not like he wanted he wanted the answer to be yes because he wanted to ask her for help. You know, he wanted the help to be real. You know, uh, when they get Henriksen on their side, it's, hey, help us do this, not just sit there in the corner and do nothing. Like, he he has opened up the idea of asking for help by growing. Yeah. So my call to action is to remember to reflect on myself, ironically, in my self-reflection, to reflect on myself. Um, and make sure that I'm growing and pushing myself, but not to push myself too far to the point where it becomes obsessive or toxic or I'm hurting myself. It's... You know, if I can turn this advice from from myself to everyone, it's to grow at your own pace, but never stop growing. Mm, and, you know, reflect on it sometimes and see, are you growing the right direction? Mm. Well, as someone who literally uses any kind of um, excuse to to self-reflect, I absolutely agree with you. Nothing to say. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent oh, advice to yourself gold. and others. <laughs> done <laughs> um, on my end um, like when I think about this season I I just keep seeing that like so much of the brothers found family was killed off 
Um, Drew, in some of our conversations, like you've talked about how this season sort of felt a little bit like a reset. And I feel like that's so accurate. Um, it's, and for me, it really started with the last episode of season two with like the destruction of the roadhouse, Ash's death and the death of all the special children. And then this season, um, we've got the death of Gordon, Bella, Henriksen. We didn't see Ellen. We didn't see Joe. And basically like the only found family that was consistently present in the season was Bobby. But we got a lot of John talk. So like we saw like a focus shift from found family to blood family. And I guess this is calling me to love my found family even more. <laughs> like I'm just, cause I'm just a petty person um, to, to, to cherish, to cherish the people I love. Uh, and because sometimes like we get messages from media that um, our found family matters less than blood family. And, you know, especially in queer communities, like that's just not true. So there you go. Little reminder. Oh, thank you. It's a good reflection. Thank you. Thank you so much. Speaking of do we want to move to the crossroads? Yes, let's go to the crossroads. Amazing. Do you want to get us started? Sure. I'm pull up my notes. Sorry. Corner, you have to go down. Sorry. No, that's my headphone. Please let go. Oh, Kitty. Thank you. Bye, baby. Cats are okay. very important. Yes, certainly. <sighs> so for a season that tried really hard to remind us of family, I mean, it, it's like the major theme we've gone to. It's something that is so crucial to the series and the season really painted it have with a heavy hand. You know, sorry, I, I, my, my brain's trailing here. You know, we no, have- it's fine. It's because like, it's because you're agreeing with me so much. That's why. Yes, it's, I know. I love it's, it. It's... I love it. It's good. It's, good. it's all good. <laughs> so- to remind us of family we have and the family we hold close i mean it really just it paints that picture that family matters mm -hmm. they were very good at temporarily undoing those great moments though yeah i agree like, i completely agree like like you said like again something that i brought up that you agreed with was the fact that it felt like a reset it almost felt and i feel there was a few exceptions but for the most part episodes themselves felt like really major resets one to the next mm -hmm. and i just yeah. would have liked and again, I think the biggest caveat here is I understand there was a writer strike, so obviously the writing was going to suffer. Yeah. But I would have loved a another shot at this season where we could have maybe, you know, seen a bit of better writing just tying the episodes together to give us a more pleasant narrative from one episode to the next versus just Dean has a realization and has opened up his heart and is ready to talk. To the next episode, I don't want to talk about my emotions. That's not what men do. Grr. So just like, I think the benefit of my Crossroads deal is the thing I give up would have been a little more time. But because I'm watching it all post-release, that doesn't really affect me. But I would have liked more time taken to better write in those little bit of weaving. This is my weaving hand gesture I've decided for some reason. I'm just going to keep doing it. But, uh, but that's my deal. That's my deal. Yeah. You know, I find um, that makes sense. And that's, I think, I think that watching this show like 10, 15 years later, if you don't remember that this is the season of the writer's strike, you'd be like, what is this? What happened? And the writer's strike happened. And uh, speaking of which, there's actually um, animators who are currently negotiating 
so animators union and we're going to have a link to uh, some information about that, uh, what the, are the major issues that they're facing, as well as if you're so inclined, a petition to sign to show your support. Uh, so we're gonna be sending out a link about that probably on our Twitter and in the Discord as well. Um, yeah, Drew, honestly, I completely agree with your, like, with your deal, like I understand why it happened this way, but I just, it makes complete sense that that's what you would ask because that's what was lacking, frankly. Yeah, it seemed like an easy fruit to pick, but it was the one that really stuck with me. Yeah, I totally get that. And yourself? I, I mean, okay. Mine is all, is pretty straightforward. I sort of, I, no, I'm not sort of. I wish that Gordon, Bella, and Henriksen either had not been killed or had been given like a more meaningful ending. And I know that for Bella, like it's directly tied to the writer's strike, so I can totally understand. But still, uh, these were amazing characters and uh, they had so much potential and I'm big mad that they were killed off the way that they were still to this day. And I would be willing to give up some of the filler episodes like Dream a Little Dream of Me. Uh, and also, and that sort of kills me, Ghostbusters. Ghostfacers. See? <laughs> yes. I'm, so yeah. I'm just going to say, because we are going to have one of our little votes to see whose deal is better. I, <gasps> I feel like I win automatically because technically I'm 99% sure in each of their three respective final episodes, my, my crossroads deal was that they stay longer. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think I honestly, my, mine is not going to be a popular one. Like, I totally get that because I'm trying to remove some of Ghostface or screen time. So I think I've said I mean, goodbye to, drop, to winning this one. I mean, you could just drop Dream a Little Dream. You could drop... Uh... Yes, but Dream a Little Dream also had like that really powerful moment for Dean, right? Like, it's heartbreaking to get rid of Dream a Little Dream. Fine, we get rid of uh, the, the phone call episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes and the i Dr. wanted my Akini spirit phone also and the spirit <laughs> phone and the banana phone <laughs> and the spiritual banana phone and the spiritual banana phone oh hold on i have to I, oh well i mean yeah there you go while, while me, the votes away on before we ended i just needed to say wait sorry where was it, it was uh oh meryl said something Oh yeah, there are so many episodes and season finales. I have no idea how folks made it through to the next season. We are spoiled <laughs> to be able to binge. I mean, I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. And I've already said when we get there, I'm going to really harp on it. Okay. But And I'm fairly sure it's season five. So you, season four, we're good. But the season five opening episode, literally within the first, like before we got to the, like, the, the credits, the opening sequence, like title card, I had said I am done and walked away. Wow. That's how much I hated that episode. So I'm excited to go back with fresh eyes and try again. So yes, Meryl, I get that. <laughs> some some right. of us did walk away. So, some of us did. And oh, would you look anyway. at that? All all the answers are in on the poll. Yep. Let's let's see. Let's share the responses. <laughs> there you go oh so I, I owe you coffee this time did I ever get hey. you coffee for the last one I don't think so hey you'll have me and the wife over for dinner it's fine there you go that'll be lovely and I will and I'll take your son off your hands for a few hours <laughs> yes I win I win it's the there ultimate you treat you invite me over <laughs> for dinner and you get a free babysitter for a few hours 
it's honestly the best of both worlds for me. I get to cook for people and my son is taken care of. It's wonderful. I get to play Pokemon with somebody. It's the best. <laughs> there you go. Someone who understands so, me. Now we're getting, I know that we're a little bit like late in terms of timing. We started like a tad after, and I know that some people have to go, uh, but we do have a few minutes if anybody has like some thoughts or questions or anything that they'd like to, to kind of share, we can either read from the chat or uh, we can um, unmute people if they would like to share. Yeah, for sure. Either, whichever makes you more comfortable, we'd be happy to. Oh, yes, sorry. Kim asked this, and I've seen it a few times in the Discord on the Twitter. Uh, there are apparently Ghost Facers webisodes. I know mm -hmm. because I had to find one of them to rip the audio out of for our episode. So I have watched the first one, but like really like not paying attention. Mm -hmm. um, assuming it doesn't spoil anything for season four, maybe I'll just watch them all in a weekend and do like a mini like um, TikTok review or mini-sode. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let, yeah, definitely. Let's talk well, about We can it. discuss it more. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> you, I think Kim secret. was asking if we were going to do a live watch. So that's definitely oh, something we can keep in mind. Ooh, that could also be good too as a live watch. Right. So that could be, that could be a fun, a fun thing, like a, a communal watch. Uh, so that could be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm just jazzed to go through the end of season uh, Lazarus Rising to see Drusque. Yes. Yes. It will be, it will be fantastic and wonderful and amazing. <laughs> I'm um, so excited. Okay, so we have a comment here. We see in this season how desperate Sam is becoming. He has come to the realization that without Dean, he really doesn't have much. Uh, he has nothing to lose, which I think sets up really well for the events of season four. Yes, that's true. And I mean, so again, I, I don't think I'm spoiling anything, Drew, by telling you that somehow Dean comes back, right? Like the show does not go yes, on for I, I have, 11 I have seasons. I have a pretty, pretty safe assumption that Dean returns. And I think we did a prediction bit earlier where I yeah. predicted that he'd be back like episode one. Like there's no way they're going to go a full episode without him. Like There you go. So, so he's, um, he comes back and you know, we're going to see Sam's reaction to that because we don't know how long it's been. Has it been three days? Has it been a day? Has it been six months, a year, two years? We don't know how, <clears throat> at this point, we don't know how long it's been. We're going to find out when we watch uh, Lazarus Rising. Um, I'm, I'm so excited for Lazarus true. Rising. I am just like, I, I feel like 20% of the messages I send in our little personal, like carrying wayward group chat, the three of us is just like, TikToks about Cass, I find, <laughs> or like every memes time I'm about like, Cass. stop, stop looking at these. <laughs> they just you're show spoiling up yourself. <laughs> they show up. They're completely out of context. I have no idea what they're referencing. That's it's true. just Cass saying things very adorably. Yes, Cass is the only re reason it went on so long. That is definitely something easy to argue. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, it's you know what I also realize it's going to be really interesting, like to have. Because to my understanding, and again, I don't know for sure, it really feels like Cass becomes a third main character for the most part. That, that apparently like, is a controversial thing to say in certain parts of the fandom, but I agree with you. Like, I, I get the vibe that he won't be in every episode because I feel mm -hmm. like he can be a get-out-of-jail-free card in some cases if they can't they'd not have him. Mm -hmm. But I feel like he becomes consistently enough a third main lead that'll be excited to have a third person to bounce things off of 
when we look at episodes as a whole. He's on the, all the promo posters after that, right? So true, yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent, um, absolutely a third. <laughs> Meryl's enjoying my lighting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lightning, lightning, yeah. Um, and Dean is playing John. John sacrificed himself for Dean, and Dean sort of takes that as a burden. Yeah, absolutely. And makes the decision to sacrifice himself for Sam because that has always been his role and he doesn't know how to exist without his dad. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) there's no lie in anything that I've just read. I just, it's very sad. (laughs) Yeah, that's it. There you go. All right. Well... (laughs) Are you though? Are you though? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just because you can say it, you know, I agree with that. Oh, oh, it's you know what? Who am I to talk? I always, whenever there's an opportunity for like that dagger in the heart, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. So hey, I, 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 I can't do the dagger if he does that mistake. So yeah, there you go. Like sometimes, you, sometimes you say things because you don't know, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> oh gosh. Well, anyway. Um, you know, if we don't have any more, um, comments or, or, or questions, then I guess we can go ahead and, uh, start to say, uh, goodbye. Yeah. Everyone feel free to unmute yourselves. We can do a big chaotic. Drew, do you want to do the outro first? Oh yeah. Did I not make the same thing last year or last year, last time where I just like, (laughs) I got so enveloped in just seeing everybody. I know you just get so excited. <laughs> I love all my friends. Golden Retriever energy. <laughs> You've been listening to Carrying Wayward, a supernatural podcast produced by Rochelle Castellano, hosted by Mary Vigahu and myself, Drew Shulman. Thank you to our bunker patrons, Katira and Michelle, for their generous support. And this week, we'd like to thank everyone who was able to make it to our live show for their participation. Help us keep the conversation going. You can send us a three-minute voicemail at carryingwayward at gmail.com. And we definitely need more of them for season four. So please send them to us uh, if we want to keep that segment going. Uh, Remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube using at carryingwayward and leave us a rating and a review on your podcast service of choice. And don't forget to join our Patreon for perks and extra content. You can use the link in all of our social media bios or go directly to patreon.com slash carrying wayward. We'll be taking a short two-week two week break and we'll be back on April 1st or 401 with 401 Lazarus Rising. <laughs> oh, when we saw that time it come up, we had to. It was too much. <laughs> Carry on our wayward friends. <laughs> <laughs>